0: Welcome to the Cary Church Podcast. For more information regarding Cary Church, visit www.cary.asn.au.
1: Hello. Uh, this morning's Bible reading is from Psalm 31. Um, here we go. <laughs> in you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me and come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Keep me free from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. I hate those who cling to worthless idols. As for me, I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction. ...and knew the anguish of my soul. You have not given me into the hands of the enemy... ...but have set my feet in a spacious place. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. My soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbours... And an object of dread to my closest friends those who see me on the street flee from me i am forgotten as though i were dead i have become like broken broken pottery i for i hear many whispering terror on every side they conspire against me and plot to take my life but i trust in you lord i say you are my god my times are in your hands deliver me from the hands of my enemies from those who pursue me Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame, Lord, for I have cried out to you. Let the wicked be put to shame and be silent in the realm of the dead. Let their lying lips be silenced, for with pride and contempt they speak arrogantly against the righteous. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from all human intrigues. You keep them safe in your dwelling from accusing tongues. Praise be to the Lord, for he showed me the wonders of his love when I was in a city under siege. In my alarm, I said, I'm cut off from your sight. Yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. Love the Lord, all his faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to him but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord.
0: Thanks so much, Am. Well, good morning. My name is Ben. I am one of the youth pastors here at Cary. If you don't know me, I'd love to meet you after the service and say, hey, um, that psalm is a kind of full on, isn't it? Uh, it's not the usual joyful, yay, God's awesome. Uh, but it goes kind of a little, you know, stuff's going on in my life and uh, but God's still there and uh, I just want to say up front this morning uh, we are going to get into some uh, you know what there's some deep stuff going on in our life stuff but hopefully by the end of it we can all come back up for air at the end and uh, we all go on this journey together You, you ready to go on that journey with me today yeah I see some nods that's good Tell you a quick story. Uh, I wasn't going to share much of this, but um, quick story. Yesterday I was at a wedding, and it was actually the wedding of Alistair and Kira. And uh, if those names sound familiar, that's because those two are, are young adults in our church, and they're the first young adults to get married uh, out of the generation that I've seen come through from our youth ministry, which is really, really cool to see. And uh, we were out at uh, Wesley Church in the city, and uh, it was a great time. We had the hymn team. You've probably seen the hymn team up here before. We had the hymn team play at the wedding. In that Wesley Church, it's not a warehouse with curtains like this. It's an old-style, reverberating, made to really amplify the choir kind of building. You put some trumpets in there, man, it was loud. But uh, it was a really great wedding. Everything went perfectly. Kira looked beautiful. Ali almost cried. Um, It was great. Great wedding. Beautiful reception and stuff. Here's the part I'm going to share about what happened to today. Uh, We took some equipment from Kerry down there to make that happen. Uh, We took some microphones, we took some stuff. Uh, Unfortunately, it didn't make it back here quite in time for the service this morning, so... They got here, the musicians didn't have anything to actually sing into, and so thankfully they've managed to cobble together our old gear, which, uh, which is still working, which is awesome. Uh, so they had that uh, mistake happen to them. Uh, second thing that happened, th- we have a lot of technology in this building to try and make things work, to make church comfortable and nice. Uh, for example, our lovely projector screen here, that runs, I think there's a squirrel that lives in the roof that connects the cables for us, and if you don't appease the squirrel with enough nuts, it just doesn't want to work. And this morning I came in at 20 past nine, and there was just frantic stuff happening at the sound desk, they're going, bad help, we just can't get this to work. And it's just the you know, Murphy's Law, when the key person who actually runs that stuff, so that at the moment it's Jet and Austin who look after that, when that key person's not here, everything breaks. And uh, we couldn't get the TV to work, We couldn't get the projector to work in the end, we just did a workaround, don't tell Mr. Hadfield, because I'm going to have to just put it back to how he had it afterwards, uh, just to get that working so that we could uh, sing and, and have our lyrics on screen. Something else going wrong. There's just been a few things going on this morning that uh, have contributed to making this morning's service just like, you know, have a bit of a hitch. But we gathered for prayer in the corner like we do before every service. And it was great to just see the team come around and go, you know what? We've had a tough morning. Some things have gone wrong. Yeah, our first world problems have uh, crept up on us. But you know what? God is still here. And God is still in this place. And God is still the same. I thought, what a wonderful thing for the team to be recognizing that already. Because then they looked at me and said, hey, Ben, what are you preaching on this morning? And I said, God's still the same in our suffering, and they all laughed and said, yeah, we need that this morning. So, I thought I'd share that with you. It's not something we normally share when stuff goes wrong, but stuff that's just happening at the moment right in front of us, uh, revealing to us that that God's still the same and still with us and still cares for us, and, and, you know, we can look to Him and and have hope in Him. This is the holiday period, and uh, I like jigsaw puzzles. Anyone else here like jigsaw puzzles? Yeah, a few people around there. Jigsaw puzzles for me and and for my wife, Shelby. Uh, one of the things we do every year, uh, we've only been married for a year, but uh, every, even when we were engaged and we were dating, it's our new tradition. Uh, <laughs> so for the last three years in January, when it's been holidays, we've pulled out a puzzle and uh, just done it together. And for us, that, that sort of signifies this is downtime, this is the time when everything's quieted down, we can have some rest, we pull out a puzzle and spend a week just putting it together and... and uh, this year we did a Disney puzzle, so it had pictures of uh, characters from all the early Disney films that Walt Disney himself supervised, and the interesting thing about this puzzle was it was a circle. I've never done a circle puzzle before. They've all been rectangles or squares uh, with straight edges on the, on the side. This one had a circle, and it was weird. It had some really cool shapes in it, like stuff that looked like double-sized pieces but curved like this, some that had like little wonky bits in it, and it was really great. A great puzzle. I would recommend if you're a fan of puzzles and want something a little bit different, go for a round one. But uh, Shelby, she loves Disney-themed puzzles because of two reasons. One, it's Disney. And she's a princess at heart, and she loves Disney princesses. So, you know, that was always a tick on her list. But also, she likes Disney puzzles because, unlike some where it's just got, like, a lot of scenery and, like, a lot of water and a lot of grass, she has a low attention span. And so if there's a lot of green to do, she'll go, yeah, I can't be bothered. But with Disney puzzles, they're always, like, all the characters everywhere. So there's, like, a little bit of green, a little bit of pink, a little bit of yellow. So it's, like, easier to to get those patterns into place. So we're doing this puzzle. But when I do a jigsaw puzzle, what I like to do is to pick up the pieces, and uh, Shelby will kind of go, here's all the red pieces, let's get all those together. Here's all the yellow pieces, let's get all those together. I work completely different to her. I get my puzzle piece, I pick it up, and I go, all right. This is a red piece, it's got a yellow stripe, it's got a little black smudge in the corner. I pick up the puzzle box and I stare at it and go, where could that fit? And I spend ages looking for the part where it's red and there could be a yellow stripe and a little black smudge. And sometimes it's real easy, sometimes it's hard. But just look for the little nuances in like the lines and stuff and go, right, this piece goes right here. And so you sort of look at the puzzle on the table and go, I guesstimate this piece goes here. And then Shelby would go, why did you just put that random piece there? Because it's where it goes. It's even better, though, when there are some pieces around it. You can connect them together and it's good. But the thing that I do with my puzzle is I pick up my piece, I look at it and go, yeah, how does that fit? Look at my bigger picture and my bigger picture shows me how that all fits together. I like to work out where the colors match, I like to work out where the patterns go together, and using that big box, it helps me sort of put those pieces into place, and slowly as I do that, I see the puzzle connecting, I see the patterns forming, I see the characters coming together, and then magically there's a Mickey Mouse in the middle. And it's amazing. I wanna ask you this question this morning, what is it that helps you see the bigger picture? In a puzzle, we have the box, and it has the picture on the front of what it's gonna look like in the end. For us in life, we don't exactly have a box. So what helps you to see the bigger picture? This psalm we're looking at today, it's Psalm 31. It reminds you of how sometimes we go through seasons of life that, that feel like we have just a small piece of the jigsaw. And how good would it be if we could pull out the box and compare what we're going through right now and go, All right, where does this fit on the box? Because the way we perceive our reality, the way that we measure ourselves or identify ourselves, is often subject to and determined by and influenced by what we can just see around us in our immediate circumstance. I mean, when everything around us is going great, yeah, life's great. When everything around us is not going great, life doesn't seem so so rosy. And we all go through these seasons in life of, of joy, of, of great happiness and excitement. We all go through seasons when stuff doesn't seem to be going well. We go we go through times of sadness and loss. And, and the thing that the same, stays the same, though, through both those high times and the low times... Is God's bigger picture and the hope that we have in God is that he holds that bigger picture together and is working all things towards it I mean we might find ourselves in a season of life that just looks like one small piece a red piece with a yellow stripe and a black smudge in the corner but it's a piece that will go into the wider tapestry of life that that wider tapestry of the history of the world that God is putting together and and weaving together with his hands And something we see here in the psalm today is is David, in a low point in his life, he's got some valid reasons to be sad, valid reasons to be angry, to complain, to give up. But, But even in that moment, we saw there in the psalm as M read it, he has this but God moment. My life is just going down this downhill slide. It's terrible. There's all this stuff going on, but God. God is still there. God is still my refuge. Within the Psalms, there's a a whole bunch of different types of Psalms. They're not all the same. You can't just read cover to cover and expect to read the same Psalms all the way through. There's different types. There's different authors, different writers of the Psalms, different categories that we have. There's some praise Psalms, Psalms that just totally exuberate who God is and and His uh, amazingness and His awesomeness. There's Psalms of thanksgiving that just say how much of a wonder are we in of God and how thankful we are for who He is and what He does for us. There's wisdom psalms that, that that tell us just some of the wisdom of God and how that interplays with our life. There's royal psalms that speak of God's kingship uh, over us. But this particular psalm, Psalm 31, it fits into the category of a lament psalm. Now, lament psalms—they're the hard ones to read because they're the ones that come into the category of complaining. They're the ones that come into the category of why God is this going on? Why? And they're characterized by the writer having some major complaint with life. We see them calling out to God and wondering, what's going on? Why is this happening to me? Why are things the way that they are? And often they describe dire circumstances of enemies about to attack them or of people deserting them. It is really humid and hot up here, so I apologize in advance for every time I do that. But they, in those moments, the, the writers are complaining about what's going on. They're complaining, why is this stuff happening? There's enemies at my door. There's sickness upon me. I am under distress. And they cry out to God to protect them or to rescue them for what's going on. God, hear my prayer. God, rescue me. God, take me out of this. And in this psalm, we find David in this position of distress. He, he's under attack from those around him. He's not only got enemies of Israel at the door. He's, he hasn't just got the, the, the armies coming towards him. He's also got his own people deserting him. He's got people in his own parliament sort of saying, you know what? David's not that great. And David's feeling it. David's suffering through it. Um, He's got enemies trying to attack him. That's one thing. He's got people slandering him on the other side, bad-mouthing him. And the stress of the situation has even led to physical deterioration in his body. He even says in there in verses 9 and 10, it shows him how he's suffering anxiety and anguish at the situation. His eyesight's failing. He's getting weak. And he's crying out to God, God, my body's suffering in this. Help me. Get me out. He's calling out for God to save him from it. And we might sympathize with David. If we were to think that we were in such a place of stress that our eyes stopped working, I'm also going to be calling out to God to save me in that situation. When we find ourselves in distress moments of life, we might feel the right to complain too. I mean, David was made the king of Israel. He knew that God had put him in that place. And all this stuff's going wrong. He's like, God, what's up? Come on, God, what's going on? But David demonstrates something profound and powerful that that I think we can learn from. Uh, In this moment of distress, in verse 14, David has his but God moment and he says, but I trust in you, Lord. Even in the midst of all these circumstances which are brought into this low point in his life, even in the moment where he's complaining the loudest, even when he's hurting the most, rather than despair, he chooses to surrender to trusting God. Even with everything that's going on around us, God is still here. And while the distress component of the lament this morning, I don't want that to be my focus, uh, I do want to take a moment to recognize it and validate it because it is something that is real and something that is worthwhile. It's not something that uh, we can just sweep under the rug. We, we do go through periods of life when we feel under attack from people, when we are under attack from people, when we are suffering with hurt, with pain, with loss. Um, we've just seen fires ravaged through Waruna and uh, all those places down south that have damaged homes, taken lives. There are people hurting down there right now, and, and it is real to them. It's not something they can just push away and go, here's my hurt, I put it in a shoebox. That's something they have to deal with and live with and work through right now. Whatever the reason for our hurt, whether it's losing loved ones, whether it's fires, whether it's being in a financial situation that, that we've lost employment or something, our, our distress and our lament is real and It's valid. I want to just say that to you today. Your distress is real and valid. It's not something we can just push away. I think these lament psalms point this out for us. They even show us that it's okay to complain to God and say, why is this happening, God? It doesn't just happen in this psalm. It happens in quite a few. The writer will say, God, why is this going on? And I think it shows us it's okay to talk to God and say, God, this is how I'm feeling. This is everything that's going on. And, and I think God's big enough to handle that. Um, it's, it's not something that he's just going to go, ooh. Ben's in a bit of stress, and he's like complaining. Oh, I'll just wait for him to stop complaining, then I'll go back to him. No, God wants to hear it. God is big enough to handle it and say, yeah, I can hear your distress. I hear your cry. And for us to say to someone in distress, they there, everything's okay. Cheer up. It's not going to help them, is it? Like if I walked up to someone who just lost their house this week and go, it's all good. Everything will be fine. Ah, don't worry about it. That's not going to help them at all. Not at all. To expect them to make a snap decision and go, I'm happy now. Oh, yeah, my insurance might come through. Yay. It's not going to happen just in a split moment. It's a process we have to go through. Lamenting is a process. And even though lamenters in the Psalms do have their but God moments, it's still a process for them to move through their distress. And we see it in those Psalms. The other thing that these lament Psalms do point is that Christians do go through lament. Um, We can sometimes fall into misconception that if we choose to follow God, uh, life's going to be rosy. Life's going to be good. Uh, If we do all the right things, if we follow Him closely, stay faithful to God and obey Him, that uh, we'll benefit from it, somehow our lives will be smoother, everything's good. Um, I just find that's not so. Uh, I find that when I follow God, my life still has the pebbles, the rocks, the the obstacles, the mountains. Uh, But the thing that changes is that I have God to put my hope in and trust in and help me through those times. I mean, just look at Job, who was the most devout follower of God in his time, and yet he lost his house. He lost his wealth, he lost his wife, he lost his kids, he's lost his health. But still in the process of that, somehow he still held on to his hope in God. It gives us a bit of new perspective as we move through it. And so if we go back to David here in Psalm 31, we we notice the psalm does not discount David's suffering. It doesn't push his distress to the side. It doesn't just say the hurt and pain doesn't matter. The distress is real, the suffering is real, his pain is real. And what the psalm also shows us is how David chooses to respond in that. Uh, David chooses to find hope and hold on to it to help him work through this pain, this suffering, this distressful time. But choosing hope can be a difficult thing, especially right in that moment to go, I'm going to choose hope, where we're surrounded by like suffering and pain and just distress on all sides. And it's hard to see through it. It's like a storm, a haze, a big fog that surrounds us. How hard is it to see through that and just hear that whisper of God that's saying, I'm here. Our default position is often to try and escape the pain, to, to try and escape the humiliation we might be experiencing, the hurt and the suffering. And it's in this kind of desperation that led David to say in verse 22, in my alarm, I'm cut off from your sight. Like, he's expressing this feeling, I feel like God's not here. Where is God in all this? I feel alone. And especially if we fall into that trap of thinking that the point of following God is that God will fix our problems and make everything good. If we, if we think that's how God works... That, that we can just sit around and God's our personal bodyguard and sweeps our paths clean of all the pebbles so that we can just like skate through. Um, we're going to get so disappointed and we're going to get to these distress moments and go, what's up with God? He doesn't work, I'm leaving. But that's not how God works. From my experiences and my observations, God doesn't just sweep my path clean. Uh, he doesn't just remove every single obstacle for me to trip over. Um, but what He does do, instead of wrapping me in cotton wool, He walks along with me he walks beside me. He offers me encouragement as I go. He offers me ways to get over these obstacles and helps me to learn and grow in that process. If he wrapped me in cotton wool, I would never grow. You know what I mean? If I, when I go through these distress times, when I go over these obstacles, these are the points where my character is built, where I grow closer to God, learn to rely on Him more, to know that He is there with us. For our part in these times of distress, when it comes to God, of all the actions we can take, uh, I can see two possible ones that are completely opposite from each other. One option is that we could just uh, decide God doesn't care about us, give up, walk away, and say, you know what, I'm giving up on the God thing. Just decide God isn't for me. You know what, I tried the God thing, it didn't quite work. I mean, if God was real, if God really cared, wouldn't he have, like, fixed this problem for me? He snapped his fingers and sent a lightning strike down, and everything would be better. Um, the person who died would be back, or I'd stop hurting, or um, the fire would never have happened, or my house would suddenly be back, or something would happen to make my house come back. Ah, that, and that, when we're in that problem of, of going, you know what, I'm just going to walk away from God, it's, this, this just feels like there's no point of sticking it through. And the problem with this view, though, is that it's just so blinded and limited by what is immediately in front of us. We, we get to that point where all we can see is the stuff in front of us, and we just can't see through. And when we can't see past our distress, we struggle to see a possible future of, of where we can move past this point, uh, a future where we uh, can see the bigger picture of what God has painted for humanity and realize that stuff is bigger than what we're going through right now. What we're going through right now is real. What we're going through right now is significant, but there is something bigger. And there's a, f- a moment in the future where we can get past what's going on right now. It might not actually be in our lifetime. It might be in eternity, but there was a way to get through right now. But if we can't see that, we're going to decide to give up on God. Our other option, though, is to take the opportunity to run straight into His arms and hide under the shadow of His wings. These are two metaphors that we find in Psalms often uh, that describe that idea of of, um, finding refuge in God, like that idea of finding shadow under His wings. I just see a picture of like a a little chick. Have Have you ever held a baby chicken They're so cute. I I held one in a mug for a day once because the chicken was not near its mother and and it had to stay warm. Uh, So we put it in like a a mug that we'd heat it up in the microwave and put a tea towel in it so that the chicken wouldn't burn and then put the chicken in the tea towel. And the chicken, you know, it was at Vos that day and we were in classes and we're just holding the chicken and like, it was like the, you know, in video games where you get a a, a plus 10 on your armor so that you can have stronger armor in the fight. It was like the plus 10 of popularity. Uh, Everyone was coming to see me in this chicken. Uh, But the chick, the baby chick, what was I saying? The baby chick, it goes and hides under its mother's wings. When there's like predators around or, or if there's sunlight that's just burning it up, it's going to go and hide under its mother's wings. And the, the mother chicken puts out its wings. The chick goes and hides under it and it's protected. The predators can't see it. The sun doesn't get to it. The chicken is safe. Or, or running into a father's arms. I get this picture of a small child. Like they, they've fallen over and hurt their hand and there's a boo-boo on their hand. And their dad sees them and, and kneels down and puts out his arms. And the kid just runs and runs into their dad's arms. And the dad puts their arms around him. And the, and the child is just knows that they're wrapped up and safe and everything's going to be okay. And, and the kid's boo-boo isn't just gone. But in that moment of like being in the warm embrace of their father and, and being in the embrace of, of a safe place... They know that there's some hope, and that things were going to be okay, that their dad loves them, that their dad will help them through this. He might kiss it better and suddenly the pain stops hurting for a little bit and they get a bit distracted and it's good. But that running into the father's arm situation isn't going to immediately change what's going on for us. Um, like the kid's boo-boo isn't going to suddenly go away, our distress and hurt isn't going to suddenly go away when we hold on to hope. Uh, but what it is going to do is help us to keep our faith alive To help us start to see through that fog to help us start seeing beyond what's going on right in front of us so what is hope i found this definition of hope and and how it relates to this idea of being in distress and, and looking towards the future and it said hope is faith with its face turned towards the future hope is faith with its face turned towards the future so the kind of hope we're looking at here is faith that looks for that bigger picture that, that looks for what is to come with God, looks, looks for what God is going to do in the end. And so as we grab hold of hope, we can find hope in a variety of places. We can, we're trying to see what's going, what's going to get us through to the other side, what's going to get us to the future, and we can find hope in a different places of things. One is what God has done for us in the past. In the first few verses of this psalm, David knows that, that God is his rock and his fortress. He already knows this, and uh, he knows God can rescue him. He knows God is faithful. Why does he know this? Because he's seen it before. In his youth, he used to uh, be a shepherd and he'd, he'd get rid of the wild animals. God helped him through that. As a young man, he went out and faced Goliath alone uh, against this whole Philistine army. And God was with him in that. Uh, he knew that when he was anointed, he was going to be the king of Israel. But Saul was still king and, and David had to wait until Saul uh, had moved on. Saul was getting jealous, and Saul wanted to go and attack David. Uh, In all those moments, God protected David, hid him from Saul, uh, made sure that David wasn't taken out so that David could succeed Saul as king. David has seen everything happen before, and he draws on this knowledge to remind himself of who God is, to remind himself that God can do these things that he's asking, to know that God could rescue him in this moment. And so out of that knowledge and hope, he calls out upon God to rescue him again. And he he isn't calling out tentatively. He He isn't calling out going, God, if you're real, would you maybe help me here? David's calling on his past experience and saying, God, you've done this before. Come and rescue me. And for us, we can look back and remember the things God has done for us as well. Uh, We could look back and remember what God has done for the people of Israel and then try and apply that to ourselves. You see where God uh, rescued Israel over and over, the way God interacted with them throughout the Bible. We can remember what God has done for people around us. I love sharing stories about seeing people healed. I love sharing stories about seeing people uh, who have uh, had their lives totally transformed from a, a life that's just going to destruction to a life that's full of hope. Um, and these stories of other people help us to, to see what God can do. And we can even remember what God has done in our own lives. Think back to our own pasts. What has God done for us before? It's, it's why, even though I hate the process of journaling, it's something that I've come to appreciate and in those few times that I do journal, I'm appreciative of them because I can pull out my journal and I've had a journal going for the last eight years and I think it's only halfway through, that's how often I journal but when I do flick back through the books, I can see times where God has worked in my life, uh, things that I was work- God was working on in me at that moment and go, you know what, God has actually f- finished that and he's now moved on to something else. I can see times where God has encouraged me and given me hope in my past By sharing God's stories with each other, of our own lives, of our friends' lives, of Israel's lives, we can store up this well of knowledge of of who God is and what He has done for us and and draw from that to hope for what God will do for us in the future. Another place we can draw hope from is that idea of who God is. So we know from our past and Israel's past who God is. We can even find it just by reading the the Scriptures. Um, We see in this verse, in verse 19, David knows, "'How great is your goodness, it's abundant, he provides.'" Um, God is good, He provides, He's perfect, He's abundant. In Psalm 34, which uh, if you're at Fusion in a couple of weeks' time, Jules is going to look at this verse, uh, it tells us to taste and see that God is good and that we can assuredly find refuge in Him. And We can know that God is good. We know that God is love. Uh, there's plenty of places in the New Testament that tell us that God is just full of amazing love. Psalm 100, because uh, we're in the Psalms, let's keep the tradition going, uh, it tells us that God's love is steadfast, it's everlasting, it never changes, it doesn't waver, it lasts forever. God's uh, God gives us salvation. He did all the work so that we could be saved from sin. Uh, God is merciful. Even in our sinful state, he reached out to us and he forgives us. Psalms 18 and 113 both talk about how God is willing to reach down from his high place down into our lowly place. Our God, the maker of the universe, he chose to step out of heaven and into our reality as a human, to walk among us, to experience humanity, and then to show us the way to live and to reveal God the Father through the Son for us. And it's not just limited in the Psalms. We find people hoping uh, and knowing who God is throughout Scripture in the the book of Lamentations, just a book full of lament. In in chapter 3, he says, I call this to mind and therefore I have hope that the Lord's great love means we are not consumed. For His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, therefore I wait on Him. The Lord is good to those who hope in Him, for everyone who seeks Him. We can find hope in knowing who God is, knowing His character, Knowing, knowing the way he acts, the way that he, his qualities. Third place we can find hope from is the things that God has promised, things that God will do in the future, things that he's promised to give us, things he's promised to do. And the Psalms are full of promises of God, promising to give us refuge, promising to protect us, to comfort us, to lift us up from these lowly places. We even have promises today. Um, we just talked about it this morning. Our, our organization of Cary had a promise five or six years ago to plant a new school and a new church in Forestdale. And we hit so many roadblocks in that. There were so many obstacles to overcome with legal requirements and and planning things and uh, construction issues. Um, But through all that, um, there was plenty of times that us as a church got together. I remember there was one time we all met in the drama auditorium for a day of prayer to go, what's going on, God? You've given us this promise and this idea and this calling to build a new school and a new campus. Yet all this stuff's going on. And we got to that meeting, and we were all praying, and then just there was this consensus. We got in little groups, there was a consensus that started to appear throughout the whole building of God still calling us to this. And we held on to that hope, and we held on to that promise, and now we're less than a month away from the new school and the church launching. What an incredible story for us to just hold on to and know that God has promised things to us, and He's going to make them come to pass. We can hope in his promises to us. We can even hope for uh, eschatological hope, um, that, that wider hope of our salvation that's going to come, the fact that when we pass on or, or Jesus' second coming happens that we'll be face-to-face with God, uh, the fact that we have redemption in, in what Jesus has done for us in, in sacrificing himself in our place, hope in Christ's second coming that he will return and, and have his final victory over Satan and his followers and the resurrection of the saints will happen, all that sort of stuff. We have that eschatological hope. It's a funny word that just sort of means the end times kind of stuff. There's many places to turn and find hope in God. Yet sometimes, even if we do find hope, we find ourselves unable to see a way past that fog, past our circumstances. We can't see how we can get ourselves out of them on our own. And it's often these moments that we have to get really honest with ourselves. I find often in my lowest moments, in my times of distress, that's when God really grabs me and I get to be honest with God and honest with myself because you know what, all my masks have have had to drop because I'm just so stressed out and tired from holding them on. And I get honest with myself, honest with God and, and finally realize how much I need to rely on Him, that everything that I've been doing to put my own coping mechanisms in place, that I've been doing to pretend to others that things are okay, that I've been doing to make others think that I'm awesome, They just fall away and I have to go, you know what, God, I actually need you. I can't push through this on my own because, you know what, I need God to help me through it. This idea of hope is not for us to just push through and hope for the best saying, yeah, I'm holding on to God is good. Let's just hold down and buckle down and hope that everything is okay. It's more than that. It's letting God work in us day by day. David's come to this point of total surrender of realizing you can't do life without God. And we see it in verse 5. And he says, into your hands I commit my spirit redeem me, Lord, my faithful God. He's realized that he just can't do this himself. He has to just put everything into God's hands and, and let him work it out. And when we get to our lowest point, sometimes that's when we get real with ourselves and understand that what we've been doing all along is not good enough on our own. We need God in the picture. And finally, the last couple of verses of Psalm 31 talk about positioning ourselves. They, they call us to follow God and to worship Him with our lives, to stick close to Him, to remain faithful. It's part of positioning ourselves so that we can orient ourselves towards God and see Him in that storm. Something that's spoken to me strongly in the past two months has been seeing two particular families uh, that I'm friends with, both lose uh, members of their family, uh, people passing away. And uh, something that's spoken strongly to me in those two distinct situations has been both families have been strong in praising God. In fact, just seeing one of them, uh, I wasn't going to name names, but uh, Nick's mother-in-law, Deb, uh, was here at Kerry the other week. And it was just days after her husband, Peter, died. And I was standing behind her and we were, we're praising God. And she's just like, you know what? All I can do is hold on to God right now. She's had her arms in the air, praising God with utter fervor and just spoke to me. And see even seeing the other family as well, seeing their family members just turning to praising God and saying, even in the midst of this utter devastation, I'm holding on to you, God that that moment of praise helps us to focus onto God, to to turn ourselves towards Him, and not only glorifies God in our praise, but also helps us to face Him, to turn ourselves towards Him. Just an amazing testimony for me, and hopefully for you too. So this is all nice to say. It even sounds a good idea. Let's hold on to hope. Let's trust in God. Let's remember who He is. Let's surrender to Him. Let's praise Him. But what does this look like for us practically? How do we turn and hope in God when we're in a time of distress? I mean, for most of us, it's not going to be a simple choice to, to just choose to be happy and hand everything over to God. Part of our human nature is to hold on to things really tightly and not let go. Uh, often when we say, God, I hand all this over to you, it's like we go, all right, here's my problem God. I'm going to hand it to you. You can have that bit. I'm holding on to this. Because if I give you all that, that's scary. If I give you all of this, that's going to be so scary. I can't hold on to it. And that's the hard part. We just hold on to it so tightly. For some people in their low times, they can't even face getting out of bed, let alone jumping up and be happy. Knowing people in these circumstances, I've actually heard psychologists say to them that when they're stuck in bed and they can't face the world, it's the little steps that get us moving towards having hope. Uh, Sometimes for them just choosing to step outside for 10 minutes, sit in the grass and just get some fresh air, get some vitamin D going, it's not going to change their situation, but it's made them move out of hiding in bed and being stressful in bed. And yeah, they might go back to bed, but they've had that moment. It's a little step to start the movement towards having hope. Perhaps for you, it might mean picking one thing out about God and and holding on to it. Maybe that that idea of His goodness, or His love, or His compassion, or His promises, or the fact that He's present right next to you. It it might mean sitting down and journaling out your thoughts and feelings. For for David, he, he sat down with his harp and he wrote Psalms, and we now have them today to help us learn about his relationship with God. For you, it might be sitting down with a journal and writing things out. It might be writing your own songs to try and just process what's going on. Uh, For others, it might mean making the choice to actually praise God because you know that even amongst everything that's going on, God is still good and He's still loving and He's still our rock and fortress that we can rely on. I know for some people, they love to get out into nature and to just take a step back from the world, Uh, just have a couple of days where there's just them and the trees. And, And in that moment, they just remember who God is, see His creation, and it can take a step back and get new perspective on life. For each of us, our methods of response will be different, but this psalm does show us that David's response is one that we can all grab, to find hope and to trust in God. So what will your response look like? All this response does kind of presume, though, that we have a hope tank to draw from. Like I've been trying to think of it this way. like You know when you're out in in the the country and you don't have water mains, and your, your water supply is done by a rain tank? And during the rainy season, all the water falls on your roof and flows into your rain tank. And then when it's the dry season, you, you have a tank of water to, to draw from. You can have your water, you can you have a shower, you can bathe, you can drink. But if that rainy season didn't happen and you've got no water, there's nothing in your tank to feed you during the dry season. Uh, in the same kind of way, if, if we, not in our, in, it, yeah, in our good times, when stuff's going right, when we think everything's okay and we're not under distress... We can fill our hope tanks to the full with hope in God because we, we're in a place where we can know God's goodness, where we can rely on Him. If we just take it for granted and don't fill our hope tanks at that point, when we get to our hard times, what are we going to draw on? So, what am I trying to say there? If we're going to fill our hope buckets, when we know all this stuff about God in the good times and we've sown it into our hearts and we remind ourselves of it, when we get to the hard times, it's going to be a lot easier to find that hope. Do you see what I'm saying? It's going to be easy to find that hope. But All's not lost if we do have an empty hope bucket. We can still run to God and ask Him. He's the source of hope. He can fill our buckets for us. Who better to ask for it? We can still read the Psalms. We can read Scripture. We can worship God and pray and talk to Him and find hope in there. Or we can find someone else who has a full bucket already and and lean on some of their strength and get them to pour a little hope into our bucket to share it. It might mean seeing a trusted friend or a counselor or a site. Whatever it is, we need to get our hope buckets full and overflowing. So I said, what to, what to say to all this? What have I learned from looking at this psalm? Um, this writer's in a time of distress. He's under attack. He's hurting. He's suffering. And he has his lament. And it's a process for him to work through. It's not something that he can just get out of in an instant. He has to work through it. But in his lament, he has this moment where he says, but God, but Lord, I trust in you. And yeah, he's in hard times. Yes, he still has God. And, he, and God doesn't change but he still hopes in him. We need to find a way like David to look past our current immediate context and see the wider, deeper context beyond ourselves that God is there, that God is real, and that we can stand on him. To try and find how God has that box of the puzzle. What's the eternal perspective on this? This life might get hard. It might get difficult. It might not even, the difficulty might not even end before we die, but there's that eternity to go on. I've seen Francis Chan describe it this way. He had a long rope, wish I had a rope now. Uh, He had a really long rope and he just painted this much of it red and he goes, you know, this bit is your life here on earth. But eternity, and he picks up the rope and just walks 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 and 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 it goes off the stage. Eternity is so much bigger and the promise that we have for eternity kind of helps us get that perspective on what's going on in this life now. Maybe God's building our character, maybe there's just stuff that's going on and we just have no way out of it other than to rely on God. Maybe we have to try and look through this haze and listen to the storm for his whisper, but in the end, he is there. I want to encourage you on that. We might think God's out of reach, that we've put ourselves in a place that God can't find us. Maybe we think we've done something that God just doesn't like, and God's just sort of not going to talk to us because we've done something he doesn't like. God still cares about us. God's still listening to us. We're not beyond his care, even if we think we've done it to ourselves. Our value and our hope and identity are what God values in us, not the circumstances we find ourselves in. He still loves us because He made us and who we are. Whatever we're standing in, He still loves us the same. And if you're in a place today where you're in a desperate need of hope, I want to encourage you to, to find hope, to find it by reading Psalms, reading Scripture, talking to God, getting your hope bucket full. Or as Nick shared with us last week, cry out of your depths. It's from Psalm 130. to Cry out of our depths to God who is faithful and will, and will respond to us. I can't stand up here and pretend to know what everyone's going through here in this room. I can't pretend to know what situations you're in. or Even if I do know, I can't even pretend to understand how that feels. Uh, but what I can do is relate out of my own situation, relate out of this psalm, and encourage you to find hope in God. The storm might be raging around you, but listen for that small whisper of God saying, I am here. I pray that as you consider your lament and as you work through your circumstances, that you will find your but God moment. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much that you are here. God, that you are unchanging. God, that you are a solid rock that we can stand on. God, I do pray that as we do work through lament times in our lives, you will help us to find you. Help us to hear that small whisper so that we too can have a but God moment. God, it's not going to change and be easy, but God, We know that you are walking there with us, beside us, all the way. And thank you so much for that, God. I pray that you would make yourself real to us as we try to experience you here in this place, that we would find hope in you. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.